Let's roll out that carpet. Let's talk some Mountaineer hoops. was a successful weekend for West Virginia. Zach's going to come on by, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, I think we all had our collective kind of holding ourselves in our throats, and by everything else there in the first half against North Texas, you're down eight. You're like, whoa, what's happened with this team? Then a great explosion to start the second half, and then a historic Sunday. We're going to kind of dive into things that we think this team could continue to get better with, um, as you know, and, and we're going to have to keep getting better as we head into conference play. That starts Friday with the Clones. We'll kind of preview that a touch there, um, as they were playing Kansas State and, and got defeated last night as we were recording. Uh, gonna gonna be interesting to see how that goes. We're gonna talk some Big Twelve. Uh, in the realm of Game of Thrones. Throw out another house there. Uh, So we're real excited about that. But you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the coffee, feel style. If it's in the evening, grab that drink and come on back. We're talking Mountaineer Hoops here on the porch. So yeah, Zach's a... Good bit has ha- good bit has happened here since we've uh, last met. You know, whole other different opponent and uh, and a nice win over Richmond. You kind of got your squash spiders in there, buddy. I b- I believe. Yeah, I uh, remiss to say that three guys beat us to the punch. They they went with squish spiders on their title of their podcast, but I, I think that yeah. I had it ahead of time with them. I I don't think they had it when I had it. Yeah, I I, th- I think you beat them to the punch. Although they they uh they put it to the press and out on the airwaves before before uh before we were able to kind of do it here. But um man, I mean, it, crazy uh the difference in the four halves of basketball that we played this past weekend. If you really kind of go back and look into it and and kind of parse it out, it's it's almost unbelievable the difference that we saw in our quality of play, especially. Yeah, without a doubt. You just observing the box score alone between the two games is telling enough, but watching the games, they were completely different. There's a complete antithesis between the offense specifically played against North Texas and against Richmond. It was unbelievable, like you said, just to see how different – they looked just less than two days later, they were absolutely torching Richmond. It didn't look like they could do anything wrong. They were making everything they put up. They moved the ball beautifully, moved in transition. Defense against North Texas was pretty solid. But it's pretty solid. Richmond, they were just all over the place, getting in passing lanes, put the press out there a little bit, which everybody loves to see. But they were they were crisp. So, so let me, you know, getting into that press part of the element there, because I thought that's kind of what spearheaded some of that second half turnaround against North Texas. And also, I kind of want to get in real quick to the difference between North Texas and Richmond, uh, Zach, and how I kind of think maybe those games, um, we need to look at them a little bit differently based off the opponents we were playing, as opposed to necessarily the result of the game, too, as well. I think that kind of kind of plays a role into why the game was the way it was. Um I get, let's go ahead and start with that because I think North Texas was a much more physical, um, kind of gritty team, whereas Richmond, while being veteran, I'm not sure they really were getting into their stance garden and kind of getting after it as much as North Texas was. Now, maybe that's partially because 
you know, once the ball keeps falling in the net as often as it was for us on Sunday afternoon, I mean, the, the discouragement comes into play and then it just makes it really tough. Um, but also we were getting a lot of easy shots, easy dunks and, and whatnot too, and just making incredible shots against Richmond. But I think North Texas had a little bit to do with why we struggled offensively so much because I thought they were very physical in their play. Yeah, I would agree with that yeah. also. We we didn't quite seem like we were awake for that one, which, you know, coming off a game that you were supposed to play, ended up getting canceled, learned you're playing North Texas less than two days before you play them. Not a whole lot, a lot of time. In, in a Friday right. afternoon, 3 o'clock, kind of sleepy start. Yeah, you know? not really going to wake up for that most nights. But, you know, it, it's still discouraging to see them come out the way they did against North Texas. It was borderline embarrassing, to be honest with you. That's a team that they should have no issues with whatsoever. But, again, lack of much uh, – what are we looking for here? Zach, I, it, it, it's, crazy. it's crazy when you think about it because – you end the half against North Texas on a, essentially the the Mean Green going on a twenty one to four run. I want to say about a seven and a half minute span, and then against Richmond on Sunday, you go on an eighteen to like three run where they get the tip in at the end of the half in a three minute and thirty second span. So it's just wild to me how you know that basketball team has that capability in them to do that like they did against a good quality potential A ten champ squad in the Richmond Spiders and then could also have a, a kind of a, a drought. Uh, one of those things we're trying to avoid this year as much as possible. We've seen those in the past and those are what really gets us in trouble. But I mean, that, that drought against North Texas was, was tough, tough to watch, but then yet the spurt and the, you know, Clark Kellogg always saying the spurt ability, the spurt ability of this team is, is, is high and maybe as impactful as any team in the country this year. And that's what can really win you especially in college basketball, some championships. Yeah, for sure. And in that first half against Richmond, you saw what the ceiling is for this basketball team. That is the absolute pinnacle of what they can be. You shoot 66% from the field and from three. You play pretty outstandingly on defense, considering Richmond can score the basketball in a lot of ways. They really didn't have much to do with us, especially when we started giving them a little pressure full court. We looked outstanding in every facet, we really there's not nothing you can really pick out in that first half in particular that you can complain about whatsoever. No, I mean the, the first half against Richmond, like like you said, Zach. Once the defense, uh, once we kind of went to what they call that twelve, you know, that one two two pressure. I mean, it just it brought up it brought upon everything in such an onslaught all at once. And you know, granted, we were making you know, some big shots offensively in that. But, I mean, there was about two or three steals there in a row where I was like, man, this thing, while they're not – it's not press Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's nobody's trying to say that it is. But, um, you know, it, it kind of reminds you of, of how we used to do things in that press Virginia era. Um, and, you know, and I listened to Hugs' uh, radio show, and they were talking about how, the, you know, you have to be able to angle that out. And, and while, you know, we haven't gotten to that point yet where we're that um, – where he wants us to be in that part of the game, because that's what Adrian did so well. You think about some of the athleticism of some of the guys that could play on the top of the pressure now, if you can get them to kind of learn that that craft of being able to use the angles, it could get scary in a hurry. I mean, Emmett's playing pretty well up there. And then he even said it himself, you know, Hugs did, when you bring Culver down in, into that pressure, that's when things get really scary. Oh, for sure. He, he seemed really excited when he mentioned the – 
variation of the press with Culver at the top. I mean, you think about somebody with his size trying to pass around him. Good luck. But you're right. It, yeah, exactly. Emmett is in that length that oh, he goodness. has. And he can move around. He's going to get worn out trying to head that press. But at the same time, you're not going to run that for, you know, halves at a time. You're going to do it in, in spurts and just in nope. little bits and pieces. But Emmett has been playing very well. I, I agree completely. The only thing that I would love to see him do more is be more, be more aggressive on the offensive end. But that's not something we have to have out of him all the time. But it's nice when we do get it. But we talked about how Nate Adrian used to head the press. Nothing against Nate. Maybe not the most athletic guy in the world, but he he headed that press outstandingly. So if Emmett can bring his athleticism to the table and the tenacity that Nate brought to that, that'd be stupendous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and it, he also mentioned how Holton, mm-hmm. how Holton could run and how, you know, John Holton could run on that pressure. And and that's kind of his advantage to it. So you think about some of, like you said, some of the athleticism of the guys that we have now, and you kind of teach them and kind of continue to grow their basketball IQs into the point where they're, you know, maybe not ever at Adrian's level because he was such mm-hmm. a student of the game. But, you know, to get to that point where you could potentially see, you know, this thing getting to that level again where you can, you know, really ramp it up, I mean, that would be something special. Um Zach, you know, but also the part of the thing is too now, it's it's more or less, especially like they said with this Richmond team, to, to kind of slow down or kind of speed up the game, not slow down the game. You know, we want to speed up that game on the other team. And I think that was partially, um, you know, obviously why they went to it this this particular game, but kind of why you go to it in general, because we are such a good half-court man-to-man team um, for the most part. Uh, there's a few things that we're still working on, I think, but um, – you obviously don't want to lose that ability either because, you know, the 2010 team, that's the team that made the final four. They were the lockdown half court team. Sometimes the pressure can kind of get you in trouble too. If that's, if you have to rely on it solely. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's one thing I really like about this team. And I think Huggins is starting to experiment with that a little bit here and there. He's kind of sprinkling in different types of zone. Obviously his bread and butter, what he prefers is man to man in the half court locking guys down. But at the same time, these guys are so athletic and so long that specifically their length and athleticism that can allow for you to sprinkle in some zone, mix things up, confuse teams, give them some stuff that maybe they haven't seen a whole lot of. And you think about how little you see teams full court press nowadays. It's almost non-existent. And Schools like West Virginia who have to rely on some of that little trickeration, some funky stuff to throw out there to get teams off guard to maybe compensate for a little less talent. Now, that's not to say this team isn't about as talented as a team as Huggins has had in his tenure, but having that on top of it, it it makes it really difficult to prepare for you week in and week out because you just don't know what to expect. Well, you know, it's it's almost like I, I say this when it comes to Hugs. Hugs has that ability to uh, be the tactician and be the, the strategist when we have a lot of talent to go with it. So you add the talent that we have, then you add Hugs, you know, and, and and staff kind of making the calls and kind of pulling the strings like they do, and that's how you get a spot like you got Sunday. I mean, Richmond, you know, everyone kind of coming into it. 
talking about how good their guards are, how good Gilliard is. You know, I mean, this guy's a senior. He's, you know, all A-10. He's, you know, tough as nails. I mean, look at, the, you know, the stats. He's averaging this many assists and steals, and he's the real deal. He's a senior, you know, he's, he, you know, and you mm-hmm. catch him wide-eyed, looking like a deer in the headlights, getting ready to, you know, honestly looking like a deer walking past uh, somebody's Christmas like I mean, that's how wide his eyes were. I mean, he was stunned, and boom, before you know it, the, mm. the game is over. Um, I, I just – I love the fact that we've got that in our back pocket and we can utilize it because this team, <clears throat> where he has recruited so well here over the past three to four years, building off that Press Virginia brand and everything like that, bringing these guys in and doing the amazing job they do do with, you know, the way they mold this team together, they've got these top, you know, 150-type talented athletes, and now you got hugs kind of pulling the strings and orchestrating it all together or Larry, you know, yep. as he, as he said, Larry pulled the, uh, pulled the pressure out uh, there one Sunday. But I mean, that's, that's incredible. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's what gives us a chance, man. I mean, it's, and, and it's wild to see that in a game like that against a team that's, you know, supposedly, you know, top 20 was disappointing to see Richmond fall to the polls, Zach. Uh, I don't know about you on that. Very disappointing to see that. I kind of, you know, maybe if we'd have, it wouldn't have been as lopsided. Maybe they hang on, but uh, it was disappointing to see Richmond leave the polls. But I mean, for you to be able to kind of curb stomp a team that is older and uh, was ready for it. I mean, I had a good feeling Sunday about the game before it even started because you just knew how poorly we played Friday, but still to, to put that kind of performance on, I think was astonishing and kind of uh, shocking to just about everybody in Mountaineer nation. Yeah. I, I, I loved how hugs admitted to the fact that he, basically just was told after the fact that Harrison had implemented that press. It's, it's a testament to the free reign he gives his yeah. coaching staff, him in particular, his head assistant, and how much faith he has in his guys. I mean, that's that seems pretty atypical for a Hall of Fame coach to allow that to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the level of micromanagement that most of these probably head, head coaches mm. <laughs> you think they have, and then you hear hugs, it's like, yeah, you know, Larry, uh, Larry called that. And, you know, just the reverence he talks about with the assistants, um, you know, and that group's been together for so long. I mean, I think that's part of the reason we have the program we have. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bob Huggins is obviously, you know, the catalyst and the, and the, the driving force and the Hall of Famer. But that staff that he has, I mean, we haven't seen much turnover, if any at all. I mean, really, Billy Hahn's still very much, you know, networked and a part of it. Maybe he's not to the level he once was. But, um you know, you seamlessly bring in Ronnie Everhart and boom, it just allows for a seamless cohesion, which, you know, has been, I think, part of the success of this program over the past 20 years, Zach, which I think we're going to get into here a little bit later. But I I want to know your opinion on this. Mountaineer basketball, is this top 15 in terms of a program over the past, you know, two de- two decades now? About it. You know, since, since 2000? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you know, and we'll kind of dive into why we think that in a few numbers here later on. But I just kind of want you to get that pondering out there because, you know, you think about it, two Hall of Fame head coaches and a lot of success in the tournament. Maybe not won the big one, but there's a lot of programs that haven't won the big one um, in college hoops in the last, you know, 20 years. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on uh, here. But, I, you know, I kind of wanted to kind of throw that out there because I think that – you know, that's a testament to this to this staff and a testament to hugs and it puts us in position to be where we're at right now. 
Yeah, for sure. And it honestly, it's something as fans that we should definitely not take for granted because having back-to-back coaches like Beeline and Huggins, it's almost unheard of, especially for a program that's not necessarily a blue blood. And we've been very fortunate to have that kind of success. And we'd only hope that after Huggins decides to hang it up that we can find somebody who can – carry the torch but it's no guarantee there's not coaches like that that just grow on trees you know no and 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 to have the the loyalty with the staff too i think is another part of what makes that what it is um you know so i mean larry you know we brought that up because larry instituting the press right well i mean i think part you know going back to um before we dive in fully into richmond and kind of how you were feeling during that one and how you felt beforehand the the change in the second half there against um, North Texas and how we ratcheted up defensively on those guys, holding them to 18.1% from the floor uh, after they shot, you know, about 59 in the first half. I mean, that was – that's one of the things that, you know, in this in the Huggins era that you always seem to be able to have that ability in the back pocket to just put the Cobra on certain teams and the kibosh on them. Um, I mean, Grand North Texas not on your level athletically, probably not on your level basketball-wise, and to wonder why they were doing what they did in the first half was probably, like, what's going on. But, I mean, to have the ability to kind of flip the switch, too, I kind of like that this team can do that at times. I don't I don't love that we do it as often as we're doing it, but it's nice to know you can turn it on um, because, I mean, you saw that in 2010. I mean, that 2010 team, I remember a second half against St. John's in the Garden coming back on them. Uh, the Ohio State second half after Hunley makes the hook shot. I mean, and that's because you have a suffocating defense. But I love the fact that we have that ability, I think, with this team. Yeah, and the way you phrased it, flip the switch, that's exactly what they did. They knew, and Hugs let them know, that their play in the first half mm-hmm. against North Texas was absolutely unacceptable. And they came out in the second half after some verbal encouragement, I would say. Oh. And they – they really turned yeah. it up, outscored North Texas by 20, like you said, held them to supremely low shooting percentage, only allowed 21 points to them in the second half, and they just smothered them, which is what you would expect in a game like that. But it just took some, took them a little bit to get the sleepy out of their eyes. Yeah, well, you know they they had, they had the little uh, they had the little little sleep, like you said, they were still kind of zombie walking it through. I mean, it's funny, like. Deuce McBride gets his first bucket of the of the entire ball game at the end of the first half to get us down eight. Yep. I mean, we were down ten at one point. I mean, granted, Hamlet makes a a couple running shots. One that was kind of a prayer, kicks it in the corner for a nice three. North Texas is just hitting everything at that point. And, you know, and like we said, they're a tough tough team. McCasland, you know, from that Baylor tree. I mean. They have a, you know, they have an athletic good team. I mean, they were Conference USA champs last year in the regular season. They're going to be right there again this year. That win is yeah. going to look good on paper and in that net ranking as we continue to move forward in the season. But also just I thought the way we, we played offensively in the second half, um, Zach, I mean, I thought we kind of, uh, I mean, not, not that that's something that we don't have in us, especially against a team like North Texas, but – it was nice to see after how badly we struggled in the first half, you know, one of eight from three, 
25% to be able to make a couple threes, get to the line a lot more in the second half, you know, 11 to 14 and 14 to 26 shooting. You know, we were able to get the ball inside. I mean, we went to Culver, pounded it in, and Taz and McNeil made stepped up and made big shots in the second half. I'm really, really, really impressed right now with the way Taz Sherman oh. is starting to play. I mean, it's – you can see it coming, man. You see this coming. And I don't know if you saw the pictures of uh, after the game Sunday, you know, 15 points and he ends up going out there and not, what, 15 minutes after workouts or a, the post-game show, he's out there putting up shots. I remember when Javon Carter did that. Look what it got him. I mean, that's uh, – I'm real excited to see the uh, progression of Taz Sherman. And that's forward. what Huggins loves to see too. He loves to see – that extra work because, for one, that shows you care, and for two, that shows that you are going to make that progression just sheerly based off the work. You can't just expect to improve your game if you're not going to put in the extra time. And, I mean, look no further than Taz's numbers this season. They've only progressed, and he's he's absolutely unconscious shooting the ball. And by the same token, getting back in the Coliseum, I think, has helped old Shawnee, old hot boy. Uh, he started to stroke. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, him him and Sherman both, you know, and that's an interesting point. You, you hear people talk about, you know, especially with shooters, the comfortableness that they have with the building that they're putting, you know, putting those shots up in, or they're used to putting Absolutely. shots up in the Coliseum. And so, you know, being able to come back home, uh, that I mean, McNeil carried us in the first half against North Texas without him. Uh, who knows where we're where we're kind of at at that point in time, um, and then like you said on, you know Taz, and you know also too with Taz, Hugs mentioned this and you know in, in in the show there. I feel like we recap him a little bit too, but it's it's important because he gives you a lot of information on the on the on, you know on his Colin show while it's still about nothing, <laughs> um, you know Seinfeld esque. I mean it's still about a lot. Him talking about Taz kind of being the energy guy now. Um, you know, he kind of not that he didn't give Gabe credit for it, but it's like Tash Sherman stepped up here in the last couple of weeks. He is and, uh, and Huggs recognizing not it. only offensively, but I think that he's holding his own fairly well defensively as well. He's not he's not out there killing you. He is primarily Absolutely. an offensive weapon, but defensively, I can't tell that he's doing anything besides locking up his guy, you know, making his rotations and doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, which is all you can ask for a guy and. You talk about a spark plug. You think about guys that we've had in years past that provide that spark off the bench. One that comes to mind right offhand is Jay Sean Page, a guy that just comes in and gets buckets off the bench and mm-hmm. operates in that role so effectively. Taz is that guy. I obviously think that he's capable of being a starter. At the end of the day, it doesn't as much matter who starts as who finishes, and Taz is a guy who's going to finish for you. But, you know, he, he comes off the bench, gets you production, and I just I love seeing it. He's he's made a huge jump from where he was at last year. Yeah, I mean he he really is. He he's kind of, and you always see that coming out of hugs guys in the second year, especially from the JUCO ranks. But Taz and McNeil both, you could see it kind of in the work that they put out in the off season. Both of them a little bit bigger than they were last year, uh, and you can you can just you can see the progression coming. Um, especially like you said with Taz on the defensive end, it's it's really coming along. And I think the whole team as a whole defensively starting to get a little bit better. The message is becoming received. Um, 
I love the fact that, you know, he oh, said, if we get back cut, you are coming out of the game. Well, Deuce McBride gets back cut. What's he do? Pulls him out. Does anybody else get back cut? No. Also, we kind of went to the pressure, and that kind of alleviated some of that um, concerns for us. But did anybody else get back cut? Mm, I don't think so. And Jordan McCabe came in and did his job. I mean, Jordan McCabe, if he continues to give you that kind of effort, makes a couple shots, doesn't turn the basketball over, and is, you know, not a liability defensively, I mean, he steals minutes for us like that. We are going to be in good shape versus almost every team we face. I mean, Baylor might be able to give us some problems on on that second guard position, but I mean, if he gives us that type of effort, yeah, I, right. I completely agree with that. And Jordan's a guy who knows what he's doing out there. He's one of the more experienced guys on the team, which is crazy to think. You know, he just got here a couple years ago, but he's one of the upper statesmen on the roster and. He started the whole season last year at the one, started quite a few games his freshman year out of necessity. But he's he's familiar with what to yeah. do out there, what Huggins wants from him. And he came right in for Deuce whenever he got yanked for, like you said, getting back cut, which Huggins made sure they were all aware of. And he made an example out of arguably his best player. He wasn't afraid yeah. to do that at all, which you would expect from a guy like him. But McCabe came in, played 10 straight minutes, which – I'm fairly certain that's the most amount of minutes he's played in one at one time this season, and he played well. He he did a good job. He, Easily. like you said, was not Easily. a liability yeah. on defense. Knocked down a couple threes, which is just money in the bank. That's gravy, and he facilitated the offense. You can't ask for much more out of him. Yeah. the The only thing I'm going to ask for one more thing from him. How about a couple less turnovers? Three turnovers in 11 minutes, a little high. Granted, the flow of that game when he was in was kind of was kind of fast-paced, and you know I think one of them might not have even been necessarily his fault. I'm crediting it to him. That's the one thing I still want to see improvement from him on. If we can get that out of him, you know, because otherwise, I mean, that's another thing too, uh, you know, that I'm very impressed with and very happy to this point is the lack of turnovers this team seems to be um, – really taking care of the basketball. Uh, and, I mean, at one point in time against Richmond there, I believe in the first 11 minutes of the uh, first half, I mean, you had one turnover. That That's how you win. And that's how you win big time, taking care of the basketball and making shots. If you do that, I mean, offensively, we can continue to keep rising up in those efficiency ranks, which everyone seems to love to be quoted yeah, right old now. Ken Pomeroy, he's got us up there in offensive and defensive adjusted yeah. efficiency. Only other team besides us in the top 14 of both is Baylor. And look at Baylor's ranking. I mean, they have a two beside their name. I mean, granted, we have a seven and eight beside ours, which is, I mean, Not a what do, you ta- do you take anything into account on that, um, Zach? Yeah, I mean, some I love it because at least it gives you that national perspective and brand. Yeah, but other than that, it doesn't really do, right. you know, a hell of a whole lot of anything. Um Helps with recruiting, I guess, to some extent. It can kind of, you know, bolster you up a little bit. But other than that, I mean, like you said, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Those guys voting, I think, still are a little off and think have a few yeah, things ahead I, of us that shouldn't I be. I agree with that, which is why I don't pay much credence to it at this point in the year. The later you get, it's a good indication of what kind of seed line you're going to be looking at. So it matters more then. But this early, it's 
it's just so hard to tell because a lot of teams haven't played a whole lot of stiff competition. You've got the tees that these teams are playing in early on, but even still, it's not a very conclusive conclusive look at what they're going to be. It's typically, typically not either. And I mean, you, you have your two schools of thought on that too. You have what West Virginia's done, playing a lot of good teams. You know, you see some other schools that are playing a lot of good teams. Um, but then you have other teams that, you know, and some other schools that are playing a lot of uh, a lot of cupcake type of competition and, uh, but, you know, buy games and it's not necessarily really improving them or getting them, you know, <clears throat> that much more ready or that much more kind of going in the flow. So I get, I get you not, not drawing too much in the rankings, but I do like being in that top ten because, you know, you're thrown up on the ticker. Everyone kind of knows who's in the top ten. Um, and I think that only brings that more notoriety for what we were going to get ready to get into here you know, a little bit later, too, which is you, your program. You know, are we top top 20, top 16? I'm doing it for basketball that way because that's the weekend you want to get to for sure. If you get there, then special things can happen. You have to avoid the first, you know, the first weekend of madness, obviously. Um, but, I mean, you know <clears> – <throat> Zach, I, I, that's that's what I look into, man. And that's I, I love the fact that we are on that level because I want to be in those top two to three seed lines. If you're there and you're able to avoid, you know, the Goliaths, quote unquote, of the game, there's one seeds because that's what's gotten us a couple times in the past, at least in my opinion. Just a couple prolonged slumps during the season, you slide to that four, that five line, then you got to take on, you know, a team that like a Gonzaga or a Villanova. And both the years yeah, the teams have sure. playing for national championships. Now, refresh my memory. What seed were we when we got shocked by old Stephen F. Austin? We were a three, and that's unfortunate because we when three. you start floating down in the three to five, even we six range, three. you're playing teams that first weekend, that first game, that maybe are a little better than the respect they're given with their seed. And typically, when you're playing a 15 or 16, you should be able to skate. Now that wasn't the case for us when we had that three seed, and it was it was a yeah. heartbreaker because that was about the best team that Huggins has had since he's been here, besides the Final Four team. Yeah, I mean, I mean that team was fantastic. I'd also argue Javon Carter's uh, both of Javon Carter's last two years; those teams were were damn good. I mean, you lose to the eventual national champions, but yeah, I mean, one hundred percent correct about that team. I mean, Devin Williams was putting up numbers at that point. Jay Sean was. The microwave. You had a young Tariq, Jay Sean. You know, you had a lot of good, lot, lot of good uh, guards on the team, and that was, you know, the height of Press Virginia. I mean, you lost a tough, uh, tough one in, in mm. the championship that year to to Kansas, um, but you beat Oklahoma in the game. I still remember this exact to this day. Down in Louisville, you know, we go out to the bar for the second half. You know, it seems crazy now to think about this pre-COVID times, but people actually did go to you know, places to watch games um, that did happen. And, you know, and this is Louisville too. So, you know, you got a lot of Louisville and Kentucky fans in the crowd. So they're obviously not fans of the Mountaineers. You know, we're kind of enough of a basketball presence yeah. to where who they, they know who we are. You know what I mean? And wow. so when Buddy Hill drills that shot, the whole bar goes nuts. Oh my God, Buddy did it. I mean, it's bonkers, man. It's, it's ballistic. Everyone's, you know, I'm trying to use every B word I can but then, you know, you, and I'm just like, oh, man, you know, there's like three or four of us here. And um, we're in the corner. We're like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. 
So then eventually they come back and they wave it off and we're going nuts. But there's another group in the other corner that's going nuts. And we're like, all right, we found some peeps here. There you and go. And being a couple of good looking girls, Zach, it was a, it was a good night. Turns around for us. The replay yeah, yeah. shows it in so, our favor and you know, it's a good night overall. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and that, that team was, that team was a damn good team. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. like you said, I mean, and to lose like it. they did to walk up, that was tough because that could have been a special team. And and that team was coming together too at the right time, um, and was really finding themselves. I mean, would you? I mean, you, I think this team is better than than that team though. And maybe that's not maybe that's not fair to say quite yet, but I would. I like yeah, this team's I, I makeup more right. than and that team's makeup. One thing you think about with those Javon Carter, Dax Miles led teams, there were guys that could make shots, but there weren't many guys besides Javon who you would really feel comfortable trusting in the final seconds of a game to win you a game and make you a big shot. Now, this team hasn't been tested in that way yet, mm-hmm. but early on it really seems like we have multiple guys who can get you a bucket in different ways, and that's huge. You've got to have that. Yeah. It, it, it really is. That's a great point about there's multiple guys who you – who could probably get you that last bucket you need. Taz Sherman can create. We've been talking a lot about Taz. McNeil, if he's on, I mean, I'd feel comfortable with him taking the last, you know, last clutch shot. I mean, obviously Deuce McBride's he's one the- that you feel like, hey, I've got no problem with him with the ball in his hands at the end, you know, making a pass or making, you know, something happen. He's been clutch since the moment he walked on the campus, really. Um, you know, another guy who I would not mind mm-hmm. having the ball at the end of the game, though, is Derek Culver. I mean, you know, you think about how he facilitated some offense against Richmond. I mean, got the ball quick, made great passes. He was, I mean, so the pass he made to Emmett for a dunk was incredible. Uh, you know, like we said, he's a willing passer, and he's pretty good at it, and he doesn't seem to turn the ball over that much out of that spot. And, you know, we got to see Sunday, um, granted in a blowout type of game, but, I mean, Culver didn't even have an incredible, credible game just you know, he goes 10 office. points and 11 boards in 30 minutes, you know, just another day. Like you said, you know, he had, you know, a couple of assists. I mean, he is – you would have no problem with him, uh, you know. And you know the other thing um, from from Sunday, Zach, that I was very, very pleased with, and I'm sure yep. you were too, was, was the play of Oscar. Finally seemed to get – he looked more like Oscar again uh, than what we have seen – you know, yeah, let me the first six just games. comment real quick. There's one pass in particular that just blew my mind. One of my favorite aspects of Culver's game is his passing ability. For a big guy, you just don't see that every day. He's a willing passer, and he's a very able passer. The pass that he threaded no, between two guys, it wasn't a very long pass. It was from probably middle of the paint to the block, but he threaded it between two guys to Oscar. Oscar lost it on his way up, got it back, and, you know, gave uh, – kind of a sort of hockey assist to Culver in a way. It it was a gorgeous pass. I don't even know how he managed right, to see right. him, let alone fit it in there. But it caught Oscar off guard. He was fumbling it the whole time he was going up for the first attempt at the bucket. But it it's awesome to see a guy that's able to do that and is fine to do that because he'll get the ball in the post. And, you know, a lot of times he will start backing down, trying to get his luck. Even still, when he feels a double coming on, he's kicking it right back out to an open guy, and it's on. It's in the breadbasket. It's where you want it to be as a shooter. 
And I'll tell you another thing. You're getting into the discussion about Oscar and how he improved his play on Sunday. Probably his most effective game, least disruptive game from his perspective in a way Mm -hmm. as far as not being as effective as you'd like. But he had a couple nice passes. He had a nice uh, kick out to deuce on a three as he got the ball in the post and then had a nice fake a pass, make a pass bounce to Emmett, which led to a dunk. And that's awesome to get that out of him is beautiful. Hey, when, when, when you get, and man, I love how, you know, fake a pass, make a pass, um, and how, how crucial that is. And for Oscar to be doing that kind of, you know, as young as he is still and kind of learning the game, you know, for him to kind of be recalling that in the moment and make that play to Emmett like he did. Very nice to see. And like, it, he just had a fluidness to his game. It felt like on Sunday for the first time, really in a long time. Um, and, you know, also too, before we kind of get off this game, I mean, granted his contribution, um, not going to be one that you're ever going to write home about, but Gabo Saboyan, big 19 minutes, thought he played some great defense, three boards, um, you know, was, was, had a steal, did, did what Gabo Saboyan does, created energy. And, uh, you know, Zach, I'm always going to make sure that I mention him because I think he's a true glue guy to this basketball team. And granted, maybe his, maybe we could have easily won that game Sunday without Gabe, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue to make for sure. nicknames for this guy all season and give him all the recognition he deserves, but we'll go with, We've got glue guy Gabe. How about garbage man? He just he, he does everything. He cleans it up for you. He I like he's just I like that. He gets dirty. He doesn't mind to do it. That's his that's his thing. Man, mm. And both and both nice G's with alliteration with Gabe. I'm 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 a huge fan of it. The uh, the glue oh. guy Gabe, the garbage man glue guy, Gabe Osaboyan man. I mean, hey and. And like and like we've talked about numerous times, uh, Zach, I'm getting a page here. I've got to turn out the lights. We're shooting too hot here at the uh, house. I guess everyone's got to try and get to sleep. So I'm gonna have to, uh, you know, try and try and cool it <laughs> off. Hopefully, it's not like our uh, our shooting there. But uh, I'm gonna have to gonna have to do that there real quick there. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I tell you what, man. Um, Little, little little chilly out here too. Uh, a <laughs> little chilly, kind of like North Texas uh, uh, first half for sure. I mean, hey, you know, hopefully we get that snow too. By the way, I would I would love to love to see that coming. Um, that, let's kind of let's kind of talk real quickly here, man, about the Iowa State game uh, coming up on on Friday night, nine o'clock tip ESPN. You should be interesting. I'm actually sitting here kind of looking at them a little bit here against Kansas State. Uh, um, first, you know, the first half, you know, in the K-State team that was, you know, horrid and, and lost to a, a Fort team. Hayes, eight you know, Tigers. What, Fort Hayes State Tigers. I, I think Hold I got that, that right. Yeah. I, you know, got it right. I'm glad I got it right that time. Yeah, hold that Tiger. You know, no pep in the gumbo there for the, uh, for the Fort State Tigers. But, I mean, they're up on Iowa State by 10 in Hilton. Granted, you know, no fans, big difference there. But, I mean, this Iowa State team – um they're not necessarily a stellar squad. I'm, I'm kind of excited to get to get them early while they're still struggling. Um, and then Tuesday the big night. one, obviously, on, the on, uh, on Tuesday night. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. I mean, 
Now, Iowa State, you know, kind of uh, they're, they're down nine now. So, you know, they're but I'm, I'm watching them right now, Zach, and it's just I don't I don't get the impression that Steve Prohm, um ah, didn't necessarily refill the cupboard. I mean, you lose Halliburton, you lose some of the guys he's lost in the last couple of years. Um, they weren't great last year, and and yet, uh, you know, I don't think they're gonna. And when you lose your best player, like they did, so you obviously expect it to be a rough year for the Cyclones. But um, you know, have you kind of looked into any of Iowa State there? You I'm watching actually this watching right now? the know, player that they lost. I'm watching the, the Kings Warriors game, which Halliburton's getting some run right now in the preseason. Looking pretty, looking pretty solid, uh, as I would expect. Oh, He's okay. an outstanding player in that. <laughs> mm-hmm is, of course, a massive loss for Iowa State. I don't think that there's anything that they could do to replace him, at least not anytime soon. And like you said, I don't know really how much they've done to reload in the short term. So it's looking like they're going to be basement dwellers in the conference this year again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this I mean this yeah. game with Kansas State kind of, in my mind, was kind of the battle for the basement. In mm. um, K-State early, I mean, 15 of 15 from the line – uh, with ten minutes to go in the in the in the ball game, uh, that that Dewan Gordon got ten points from. I think K State's probably got better guards, but Iowa State's probably got better bigs. That Solomon Young's pretty good, um, but yeah, but you know, and if you want to get get into it, this from this perspective, I think for Iowa State is you were that bad last year. You lost Hal Burton when you lost him, so it allowed you to get a little bit of run and experience for those guys. But man, you still you still have so far to go. Um, and for Iowa State being a team that's not necessarily in the DNA to be a defensive, you know, minded, grinded out program, when they don't have the offensive talent like they've like they've had in the past, that could make for a long, long season um, for them this year. I really do believe that, and so hopefully we kind of are able to to get them here early and uh, kind of continue to build our on our confidence and kind of knock them down a peg. Uh, maybe put them to 0-2 in the uh, Big 12 yeah, you look on at Friday night. The, uh, all the box night. score here, and you look at the names that you recognize from Iowa State last year, you've got Solomon, Lo- Solomon Young, excuse me, as you as you mentioned, their big power forward. But Rasir Bolton, he's he's about the best offensive player they have, and he, he can shoot the lights out of it. But really, what do they have beyond him? And you can't, you know, you can't rot his – coattails every yeah. every game so it's going to be a tough it's gonna to be tough sledding for them i'm afraid which fine for me at least on friday well and especially yeah you know and, and you know i'm okay with iowa state kind of coming back a few pegs in basketball they've been too good for too long i'd like to uh, knock them down just a just just a ring you know or, or two there kind of kind of put them maybe into like you know we we kind of talked about we tease a little mm-hmm. bit about the Big Twelve uh, Game of Thrones landscape, right? I think I think Iowa State to me gives me a lot of a vibes of say okay. like uh, sort of like the Tullys. I think you know, I mean, that it's it's not they're not royalty, but they they think highly of themselves. They never really want anything big, but yet they're still kind of respected in the conference. And, and in the realm of the Big Twelve, I think the the Tully's kind of, uh, you know, so, I, I, I kind like of the, give them. Are they like I think the that's a good little kid who sits State. on his mom's lap. Is, uh, is that to, what to, is to that what we're talking about here? 
I think so. Yeah, I think Iowa State's kind of that program because, you know, they always kind of claim these Big 12 championships and how, you know, but they're always Big 12 tournament championships. And, you know, they, you know, they bring that Hilton South to Kansas City and they always seem to get a good matchup. And, you know, the one year they beat us was kind of a, was a tough one. And then, you know, they've won a couple other ones before. But, you know, they, they kind of claim these these big time, uh, you know, honors of being this, you know, great program, but they've just won a couple big 12 championships. They don't typically go that far in March. Um, you know, that's kind of where I think all of the States are a Tully, you know, to some extent, they kind of are, uh, I dig it. They send their ivory tower. They, they think for they're no hot reason, shit. I, I think you're right on that one. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and I, I want I want to continue to keep kind of bringing these teams out in the Big Twelve. I think Iowa State's the first one there. I felt confident going with the Tullys for Iowa State. I mean, I'm sitting here with Kansas State, and I, I really I want to I, I want to give them something, but I'm I'm going to wait on it for now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep you know teasing it, but I mean, oh, do you, do you feel a great joy? A lot of disrespect to Mr. Snyder. Obviously, he's not there anymore, but he's he's the face of Kansas State. Oh, <laughs> oh so we're, we're sticking with so basketball. I mean, football. Okay, okay, I can see that. Not just basketball. Not the okay, I'm, I'm biggest Bruce Weber guy. Yeah, because I just – I kind of – yeah, I mean, Bruce Weber kind of is a sort of gray joyish to me. Right? That fake, that fake I tough. I, I could – you know, well, well, well hey – yeah, I agree. He's, he's faked up, all right. His team is still, you know, they're up 13 now. Um, and, you know, be interesting to see Iowa State coming in here off a loss. We'd probably prefer them come back and find a way to win this. But I'm not really sure it matters, uh, like we said, with this clones team this season. Um, that kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're getting we're, – we've kind of we've kind of hit on everything there from, from Sunday. I mean, the shooting was, was, was kind of, like you said – kind of warmed your heart, you know, the ball movement warmed your heart, you know, it kind of, it was torrid, it was, it was incredible, the stretch, the run was what it was, how'd you feel about the close to the game, second half, I'll be honest, haven't really went in to start watching, I, I started making my drive at that point, mm-hmm. from Asheville, uh, North Carolina, went down there this weekend, played some golf, Sequoia National, man, loved it, uh, but I started making that drive then, because I felt like, you know what, we've got this in hand, and it's, you know, as much as I love Tony, it's different listening to a game than it is watching a game with your own eyes. Um, so how do so, you feel about the second half? Watching you know, it the first time live on Sunday. Little... Second half, things were taken care of. I was kind of like you wasn't paying as much attention. Obviously, you were driving. I was still watching. But I was paying a little more attention to my uh, fantasy football at the time. First week, exactly, first week of the playoffs. But I, I rewatched right, it. Right. It's playoff weeks. More, understandable, uh, understandable. In depth on it gave it a little more attention and final score was a 16 point deficit. Honestly, we, we had that game way wrapped up. It's the final score makes it seem closer than it even was. It was more than 20 with under two minutes to go, basically a 20 point lead the whole second half. And I would say the majority of the second half Huggins was trying to get some guys in there, get bridges, control, Johnson, get them some runs, see what they could do. Get have McCabe Jason get some minutes Bridges, here and there. Yeah, they weren't – they had yeah, let yeah. well off the gas by that point. So that game really, really could have gotten ugly if we would have kept, you know, pushing them. But – Right. Yeah, pedal to the metal. Hey, I'll say this. I'll say this, Zach. 
anytime you see a Spencer Mackey, man, uh, you got you got everybody in the in box, a box score. score. You got Jay Moore you know, getting a, a couple, day. couple free throw attempts on from him. Yep. Hey, Cinny, man. Every time I see Cinny yeah, walk out on the he's, floor, I'm just he's got some body, like, man. I saw him run up the court huge. on one of the last possessions. <laughs> he can. He's a gazelle, man. He he looks good. I just learn, just kind of teach him the game a little bit, get him a little bit more, you know, ingrained in the speed of the college game. I know they were kind of yeah. disappointed. I think he turned he tried over. A, he tried a nice uh, rake, step through, going through the lane. It looked good right up until correctly Tommy away. lost the ball, but he's trying to be aggressive. It's okay. He had a nice assist to Taj Thweet on his first uh, first bucket <laughs> in college. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, I actually did see a – um. Did see a highlight of that because uh, they showed that in the in the little Instagram highlight package. Thweet's uh, initial deuce there with the Mounties. Um, you know, Zach, I, I'll say this too, man. Like you said, anytime you see all these guys in the box where it's nice. Please. I wanted to comment on Cottrell though, real quick here before we get into the in, into the into the two decade to comment. I thought Cottrell's performance on on Friday, the energy he gave off the top there in the second half. Or excuse me, in the first half, the oop, you know, the nice shot. Then he got the couple fouls, but but I really loved his energy in that game Friday, and and I loved how he played in the second half too when Oscar was struggling as mighty lately was. Didn't have to use him as much on Sunday, but I feel like Hugs is really getting to a point of being comfortable with Isaiah Cottrell coming into the ball game at this point in the in, season. If you can start kind of already feeling comfortable and a true freshman like that, and one that is playing a position where you are already loaded and you don't have to rely on him. Exactly. It is a complete luxury to have him. He's a luxury to us. Control gets out there. He's in the right spots. He's getting more and more knowledgeable of where to be on the floor, how to run in the system, what to do on defense. And he's a confident shooter, man. He is a very skilled big man, much more so than Oscar and Derek from the perspective of his ball skills, his shooting ability. He's he's just a little more smooth. You know what I mean? He's he's a, a much more modern big. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's he's more of that stretch four type that uh you know you always hear people talk about, you know, Culver's Traditional a, a back to the basket, big body, you know, uh traditional big Oscar more or less the same way. Um both of them are trying to get a little bit in their game. But like you said, Cottrell does have that ability to have that already in his game. And at such a young stage in his game, too, I mean, that that excites you. Um, I mean, you think about the even the potential of whatever may happen down the line. But thinking about a Cottrell, um, Deuce McBride, some of these guys here even – I mean, they're already great now. But you think about them in, a, in another – continuing to get seasoning i mean this team man the, the futures continues to be so bright but you know what why not here and now i mean i think that's more important than anything zach i, I kind of have been doing this little bit of a um a poll here you know amongst just some people that i, I have a good respect for and i kind of want to know your answers on these because okay i want to know what you think a and then i want to know what you think people are thinking b okay so the first question is do you think this team is a Big 12 championship basketball team. I don't think there's this any question about it. This season will be a regular season and tournament. The Big 12 is obviously going to be competitive as it always is, but 
you look at the teams at the top of that conference, Baylor, Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, all great teams. I would contend that Kansas is not going to be as typically powerful as they are this season. I just don't think they quite have as much firepower for one and just imposing force as they normally do. Their bigs aren't as – how would I put it? Imposing was probably the right word to use for that. But Azabuke, Azabuke is not there anymore. Yeah, I think imposing is the right word. Yeah, they're, they're just not as they're not as they're not as physical. Um, they don't have that level of physicality on their defensive, um, you know, on their from their defense now. I mean, Azabuki created that. I mean, McCormick is a big guy and does have some some you know some ability to kind of be a body in there and, and mix things up a little bit. But him and him and Lightfoot, it, it doesn't strike fear in your heart the way. You know, saying Azabuki, yeah. yeah, exactly. Culver and Oscar, and even to that to that extent, Cottrell, I think, is a more skilled big. You know, Kansas, like you said, Kansas big guys are more of the outside variety, the six eight, six nine, uh, six seven kind of slender guys. You know, more or less in the build of a Jalen Bridges than a traditional big guy. Um, and that's interesting too, because you know, I think it comes down to, like, I mean, hell, this league right now has five of the top fourteen teams in the country. I mean, that's absurd um on so many different levels but i do think that between us and baylor i think those are the two best teams from what i've seen so far with my naked eye yeah i still subscribe Um, to the notion that shaka has to prove it he has had good teams with a lot of talent this is most likely the best he's had but they still have to prove it they still have to and they've had a couple good wins at this point we got north carolina on the resume and that's great, but you still have a long grueling conference schedule to go as the rest of the teams in the league do. They've got a lot of talent ability, but I still got to see it. I think that you're absolutely right. It's West Virginia and Baylor at the top of the league and may the best team win. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, exactly. I mean, when you talk about shocking this guys, I I'm with you. I still, feel like I need to see it a little bit more before I feel like I'm confident having them up into that stratosphere of the top top 15. And quite honestly, too, granted what else I've seen in college basketball, that probably is a, a fair assessment to say Texas is up there because their talent level's there. Those guards are older and Coleman, um, who's really shooting the lights out and kind of willed them to some wins there in Asheville um, and at the Maui. Um I mean, they're definitely a solid squad, but I'm I'm like you. I'm not necessarily sold on Texas till I see it. Greg, we always know they have this talented team with NBA caliber guys, and then yeah, and I mean, like a Greg Brown this year, like you said, number nine player, and what's he done so far? Not a whole lot for him. Um, so we'll we'll see on Texas. You know what else too? Texas Tech, in my opinion. I mean, I've I've only watched him one game, and it was early on. It was Houston. But mm-hmm. I'm not that thoroughly impressed so far. And they have a lot of transfers, McClung, Burton, you know, from Wichita, um, you know, McClung from Georgetown, um, you know, this, the Silva who came from BCU. I mean, a lot of moving pieces, and you think they'll finally maybe get it together with what they had. But they also lost a couple of crucial, crucial pieces to to what's made them tick in the last few years. And Moran and um, 
you know, he was a, a huge cog for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jemias Ramsey last year was absolute stud. Um, so okay. losing him, that doesn't make it – you just don't replace those guys. Um, so, I, you know, and I want to give you some credit because I think they're a good team as well. But that kind of makes me a little bit – a little bit worrisome still on, on Texas Tech being top 15 I can right see now. That. I think and that it, might it be a little bit over-exaggerated, to be honest with you. Guys like that to come in and gel and know what to do in the system, especially when you lose so much leadership, especially like a guy Moretti brings to the table. And it takes a little more time to develop and mesh. Now, Chris Beard, unquestionably, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in the country. He's proven that since he's been at Texas Tech. But they're they're going to be interesting to watch. I think they're still going to be a tough out. But as far as putting them in the upper echelon teams of the of the Big Twelve, I'd probably put them just below that level. Yeah, I I, I think you're right on that, Zach. I think they are. If, if the top three being West Virginia. Baylor and Kansas, I think that would probably be correct. And then I would put Texas just a slight rung behind them along with um, Texas Tech then. And then I think after that, I think the, the, the other – the kind of the bottom of the league, though, is not not too great. And I think you can get some wins off it. Um, I mean, Iowa State especially uh, and, 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 and obviously Kansas State. I mean, I think those two teams are ones that – you feel pretty confident in our chances to go and beat them four times um, in those two in those two matchups versus those two teams, and then honestly, I, I I've watched TCU a few times. I think the fact we lost them last year was more of a fact of who we were at that yeah. point in time than what they were. I expect to get them both times oh, this no, year as well. There's no doubt in my mind on that Coach one. Circles you you have Jamie to give Dix. a little respect to Mike Boynton and the Cowboys. I think Ham at Oklahoma State. He's gonna he's gonna be a hell of a player this year. He's he's impressed so far, and I think that he can get them some dubs in the conference. But even still, they're going to be down there in the middle of the pack to the lower end of the Big 12, and they should at least be able to split. They're just so young. They're just so young. Yeah. That may, but you know what, though? I've also heard, heard Hugs specifically say on his show, they're a team that he does not like our matchup with. And, man, it always seems like we have a little bit of a struggle with the Pokes from, from Stillwater. Yep. Even when they're not good, they seem to give us a little bit of fits. I mean, the match, the way they match up is 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 very tough. Um, So, I mean, like we said, I think the consensus on what everybody else was saying there, Zach, was they think Big 12 is, is pretty much a uh, – we're definitely going to be right up there with Baylor. That's kind of what everyone said. And I think that's where we go, too. Um, the next one, though, I think we might be more bullish than others. National championship. I don't. Is I this don't team a legitimate national I championship contender? The effort they posted against Gonzaga, and yeah. I can't say this enough: the fact that Huggins was able to get that game is so awesome for the program and for this team this year to be a measuring stick for where they stack up amongst the country's elite. And Gonzaga is right there at the top. And they hung with them. They absolutely were in that ball game from start to finish. They had the ability to bring that home. Things just didn't bounce for them at the end yeah. down the stretch. I mean, but at the same time, you look at the foul trouble they were in, the fact that they're still young and coming up together, trying to get things rolling still early in the season, didn't have a whole lot of time in the offseason to gel. 
they should only continue to improve. And as long as they can stay healthy, I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to be one, one of the top teams when it's all said and done. So, so when I asked this question, that one got some a little bit more varied responses, my friend. Um, you had some people saying, you know, I'm, I'm not as bullish on it as I, as I want to be. I still want to see a little more out of this. I had, I had another person who was very much in, I think, in our camp saying, yeah, absolutely. I had somebody else kind of quantify it saying, well, I think we're in that top, you know, 12-ish area in the country. So I think, yes, by default, that makes us a national championship contender, let alone with what I think I'm seeing on the floor. So I thought that was interesting, you know. There's still some – I'm not saying there's some doubters of this team, but I think there's still some people that don't want to get fully um, on on board yet with it because we're also West Virginia and we know what can happen at times. Um, but but I thought that was interesting because I think it kind of – it goes to show that, yes, we are definitely, um, as a fan base, I think very high on this team, but there's still a little bit of a doubt that creeps in our mind can we get to that highest level? Um, and you know what? That makes that makes my next question. What is the thing that you think at this point in time for us we still need to improve upon most to, to make sure that we don't have that glaring wart that gets us in March? I, you know, well, I'm not really sure yet just, what I think it is, Zach. What do you think it is? Let me speak to the apprehension that Mountaineer has, and it's, it's never going to change. Even if we were to be fortunate mm-hmm. enough to win a national championship in football or basketball, that – pain of teams past that have just not quite made it to the level of expectations that people have had it's never going to go away it's gonna it's gonna sting in perpetuity and that's what causes that apprehension people don't want to get too excited until there's a reason to get excited they don't (laughs) get hurt again yeah right yeah i mean hey but you know at the same time you gotta enjoy the ride and 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 for us to kind of win, I, mm-hmm. I think for us to kind of win this game Sunday with with some style, I think was kind of nice. And I'm I'm wondering if it, if the last three halves of basketball isn't what we're about. Well, to that's see what you more like to think. I mean, here you think about this Richmond team. Two months, they are not as bad as we made them look. We are a good team, a very good team, and we played like it on Sunday. Richmond is also a good team, and by the time the season's over with, they're likely going to be a quad one win for us and a very convincing one at that. You look at their schedule, they're in the A-10, not a yeah. not a shoddy conference by any means, but they shouldn't have too many losses the rest of the way. They should get a tournament bid, win in that conference if everything goes right for them. And that's a great win for us, especially the way we made it look. But if there's one thing that – gives you pause moving forward with this team as most Huggins teams do. It's their ability to consistently score the ball and not go droughts. That's the one thing that you have to avoid if you want to be one of the best teams in the country. And you hope that what you've seen, like you said, these past three quarters are a sign of things to come. You got to see it to believe it and got to see it with consistency. But I I would have to believe that we're going to, have that path and continue to improve. I just really feel that way about this team. Well, what's funny, Zach, because you just said, you know, you can't have those droughts. Well, 
in the first half of the North Texas game, mm-hmm. you had almost a seven and a half minute drought of only scoring four points against North Texas. So that that capability is still out there. And I mean, I like the fact that you have the defense to be able to kind of keep yourself in it when you're in a bad spot like that, which I think is crucial for a team to survive in March. But yeah, hundred percent correct on that, man. I mean, that, that is the glaring wart still, right? And then also I think one other thing that I'm still wanting to see a little bit, and I think we started seeing a little bit yep. better of it on Sunday, was the ball screen defense. The pick and roll. The I think we started seeing the big man flashing a little bit up top and kind of being able to stay with him. And they took Grant Golden completely out of the ball game, which was very impressive too. I mean, he's kind of Richmond's kind of guy who makes it go a little bit too with, uh, with Gilliard. And they kind of shut him down after the initial – uh, you know, initial couple uh, stanzas of the game there. And, you know, once we got in that pressure, it really kind of frustrated him. And I think the confidence that's that they gained in that pressure, man, I'm that's only going to help moving forward. That press, when you force so many turnovers and get out in transition the way we did, that can be a spark to an offense that's going through some issues. If you're If you're getting stagnant, if you're not scoring the ball in the half court, you go into that pressure full court. If you can cause turnovers and get buckets and transition, that's only going to spark you. That's going to get you moving. That's going to make you live. You're going to be able to get things going with that. And that's one thing that Press Virginia really feasted off of. And that was a lot of their offensive production at times. But I think this team, at least early in the in the times they've shown it, they're able to finish in transition much more effectively than the press Virginia teams did because they have so many guys that can get out and run and finish at the rim. And also guys that can get, you know, get to the bucket. And if they don't make it, make free throws, this team has not been a well-documented free throw shooting team over the past handful of years. This is looking like a pretty solid free throw shooting team. And that's major. I mean, so far it's been incred- an incredible turnaround in that in that aspect, especially. I'll say this: it's almost. I'm not saying that it's as much incumbent on Culver to continue his um, his early kind of uh, resurgence and, and kind of the the turnaround that he's seen from the line, but it, it's it's very much that's going to be the huge impact if Culver continues to be um, serviceable from the free throw line. I mean, he's been pretty good to this point this season. Man, that changes everything. Because, you know, your guards are going to shoot free throws pretty well. Oscar's not a bad free throw shooter. Taz is pretty good. Sean's, you know, deadly. Um, dead dead eye from the line. McCabe's very good. I mean, you've got – I mean, Emmett Matthews is a pretty decent free throw shooter. Yeah, I mean, you almost get to that point where if Culver makes free throws – this team starts to trend up maybe closer to 75% as a team from the line potentially. Um, and that could, that could really change things. And, and I think too, we lost some games last year because of, because of that kind of that wart on our, on our, on our team. Well, this year we seem to be um, doing pretty well at that yeah, point. For sure. At least and this point you in would time, like to not have to that, put that pressure on Culver to be a more effective free throw shooter in terms of how it affects the team's percentage. But, Ultimately, he's going to be the guy who gets fouled the most. He's the guy going up around the basket, trying to get those tough buckets from close in, getting hacked, going to the line. And if I'm not mistaken, he leads the team on a game-by-game basis 
free throw attempts. And I don't see that trend breaking or going very far off. So him continuing this improved free throw shooting is a big deal for him and for the team. And I, I love what I'm seeing so far. He's He's got a confident stroke at the line. And that's, I mean, he's got to have that. He's he's going to continue to get sent there. He's going to keep getting beat up. Hugs talks about it all the time. And he's he's doing a good job at it this to this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of crazy though in certain respects that that his ability to make free throws. I mean, it almost changes this team's total dynamic from being a team that could. I mean really, really, really contend in a team that's kind of what we've been in the past. Um, because if Culver's if Culver's going to the line, he's making free throws the way he's making free throws, especially early on this season. Oh, my. I mean, does that – I mean, that, that opens up every, everything to you. Because, I mean, instead of, you know, going down there and not – and maybe getting one point out of, uh, you know, four free throw attempts, now you're getting three. You know, you're getting those extra buckets. You're getting those extra things, and those things continue to roll. And I think that's one thing that's really huge in our potential moving moving forward and being able to maybe cut down some nets is, you know, being able to close out as an entire squad going to the free throw line. Um, huge and very, very crucial. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we're going to – they need to continue to keep proving themselves. I think that's why some people are still a little gun-shy on it. But I think a lot of people still see – that there's a lot, a lot of talent and still lots of room for improvement still too. And um, you're going to be battle tested playing in this league. So it's not like they won't be ready for the tournament, you know, come March or May or whenever the the hell they decide to play this thing this year. Um, And then the final question, Zach, and we've been teasing this a little bit, but uh, top 16 program in the last 20 years, you know, I Are we yes. on that level? When, when you make what do you think, my friend? Make it to the second weekend in the tournament so frequently. When you're consistently ranked in the top twenty five like we are, that's the kind of notoriety you want to have as a team. And, you know, having two Hall of Fame coaches lead you through the past two decades, that's that's gonna help a lot too. Your recognition is gonna go hand in hand with theirs and that's big for your for your program. And their performances has been that of a top 16 team, in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, and I mean, you've been, you've been in essentially two of the best basketball conferences in the nation when you were in them. Um, And you, you continue to be right there as if not the top of the league, always in the top two or three, you know, even when you were in the Big East, and as loaded as that was, we were right up there um, every single year. Um, and I think it just kind of goes to to the level of this thing. Now, if we were going to make that argument, right, the first kind of five years um, before Beeline kind of comes on with Catlin weren't necessarily strong. You went 17 and 12 with Catlin, 2000. Uh, you were 8 and 20 and 01. You know, 14 and 15 in Beeline's first year, 17 and 14 mm-hmm. in the second year. You saw the building blocks, then boom, the Elite Eight team, the Sweet 16 teams, or the Kevin Pitsnoggles of yesteryear. You know, another one that's that's it's sort of um, surreal in certain respects is I was just that thinking team that, that didn't make it 
in that run of teams that won the NIT, man, they won 27 games. They went 27-9. and nine. I still remember how they lost in the Big East tournament that year uh, to Louisville in kind of a wild layup. I mean, you're you're that close from essentially making the tournament one, two, three, uh, four, five, six consecutive seasons um, with an Elite Eight, two Sweet Sixteens, and a Final Four uh, under your belt. I mean, that's – you know, you're in your close game away from Kentucky the year after the Final Four with KJ and those guys from uh, – oh, yeah. you know, they, they, they love to play – Love to get the Hugs Cow matchup from having another Sweet 16 team. And then even last year, Zach, I mean, you know, you could argue that one until the, the Cows come home one. I'd say there's a good chance that team might have made the Sweet 16 too. I mean, so you look at in the last 20 years, West Virginia, one, two, three, four, five, potentially six, um, seven, eight times in the last 20 years. But we'll go with, we'll go with the, uh, the actual total of seven times has made it to the Sweet 16 or farther. Um, incredible. And, and actually, that if you really want to dive in that, let's just go from 2004 to 05. Um, Beeline's third year through the Huggins era, the last 15 years, seven times mm-hmm. in the Sweet 16. Incredible. And that doesn't include what could have been last year. I mean, it, it, I think you also add in the fact the Coliseum's kind of an iconic college basketball building. Bob Huggins is a, is a epic, uh, you know, brand himself. I mean, people have known him for years going back to Cincinnati and what he built there. And then he comes to West Virginia and has done what he's done with us being, you know, the bear in, in the Big East and how the Big 12 and, and the big leagues and being the personality and the guy he is. You know, Barstool loves him. I mean, he gives us cred as well. I mean, that that goes into being to to your ability to recruit and your ability to be quote unquote a top, you know, sixteen type program and a team that's able to yeah, compete absolutely. And to it, get on this level where we're talk at right about now. The amount of sweet sixteens we've made in the past two decades. I'd be interested to see how we stack up with the other teams across the college landscape where we are as far as compared to all those other teams. I would have to assume that we are in the top sixteen um teams in, in terms of those appearances, wouldn't you say? I mean, and that's – it was funny that question was asked because one person who I think maybe didn't ha- – doesn't I'm, – I'm not saying he was the least knowledgeable of the of the kind of this peer group that I took the survey on. He said, no, nah, I don't think so. He said, I think Butler's a better program. I think this and this school. And I'm like, yeah, you know. The other two, yeah, I think we're – if we're not top 16, we're top 20 for sure. One said he was a little more bullish. You know, if you could – if you have another Final Four – from Javon into that mix, he says, I think you're you're probably trending more toward top 10 than you are even top 16, which I thought was a little, maybe yeah. a little bit high because I think a national championship would kind of cement that. But I mean, it's crazy to think, and I'm going to, I'm going to do some research on it before we come back for, you know, maybe a little, a little Kansas preview or whatnot. I might have some more information. And I think I also want to maybe bestow a, uh, a, a, a house <laughs> in the realm of the GTO, uh, GTO, GOT, excuse me, GTO, whew, of the GO, the GOT, a little got there, it. the realm of the Big 12 on Kansas before we play them. 
because I, I, okay. I, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've got one. I will we'll kind of tease that for next time, man. Um, but uh, should be exciting Friday. I mean, do you have a prediction there the before we get out of here? Let's go West Virginia plus sixteen. like it but now let me ask you in that plus 16 are you seeing more of a defensive game for us or are you well, seeing us kind of uh keep the Iowa offensive State fireworks going there? these steve prone teams and but dating back to the hoiberg teams very offensive offensively sound i would say they may make some shots on us but i would still mm-hmm. say that we keep them below 65 but i i would have to assume that we we score in the 80s I like it. I like it, Zach. I think I might not be as high on, on it as you on a plus sixteen, okay. but uh, lined up I think up we'll win 12. it by at least ten, at least ten to twelve. It was. Um, you know, did did what it was it plus twelve? Was it really? Well, okay. I love us. I love us on a teaser. I love. Yeah, we are. We are, my friend. I love us on a teaser. Um, I, I, the yo-yo effect, man. The yo-yo effect of it. Let's be real about this real quick. We come off having a big win Sunday against Richmond. We're getting patted on the back a little bit. Hugs was a little jovial in his uh, radio show. Not saying they're not staying hard on the grind and trying to get better, but could see us maybe not coming out as 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 sharp and as crisp as you said earlier as we did against Richmond early on against Iowa State. Maybe they make a couple shots. Maybe they hang around for a little bit. We'll win the ball game, but uh, could we also maybe be peeking ahead a little bit to that travel arrangement there next week uh, to KU, to to the fog, man? Could we maybe be peeking ahead to that? And that's why I would be a little nervous of taking us uh, to win this game by at least 12 because inevitably, buddy, every time I've been on West Virginia this year, uh, we lose by at least one point less than what we're supposed to win by. South Dakota first game, eight and a half. What do we win by eight? You know, uh, that, that was rough. And then – uh, the game on the game on Friday. I mean, you know, if you took that, which I didn't, had a buddy who did. Yeah, um, twelve. <laughs> it was twelve and a half, and uh, I think you know what the final. That beat Central. Yep. So uh, you know, I mean, hey, it's. Oh yeah, I mean, but you know what though? Not necessarily bad beat because we were never the right side against North Texas. I mean, we were never the right side, um, but nonetheless. Uh, I think it could be the same type of situation and same type of situation there with Iowa state where we're just not as crisp as we need to be early. Maybe the bear wakes up some people since it's nine o'clock, you know, they're, they'd rather be taking some shots than playing some hoops or something like that. Although I think this team's different than that. I think this team is very focused and very grounded on the, on the task North Texas. So maybe that's still a little up in the air this early in the season, but you, you always got to be aware of the trap game. And this is this is one of those situations right before you go to Lawrence. It's it's a game you got to make sure you're you're there for. Yeah. And I I'd like to think they would be. I've said multiple times I'm a big yeah. time optimist. So I I think they'll be good to go. But you never know. Oh yeah, hey, you never know. Um, but I, but I will say this: I, I'm with you on the fact that. Uh, I, I think the fact that it's the Big 12 opener kind of maybe gets us a little more into this game than if it was maybe four or five games mm-hmm. in and we were playing a, a team like a Kansas State or an Iowa State here. And mm-hmm. uh, Zach, as we're getting out of here real quick, 
Iowa State's cut it to five. They got a little trap in the corner. They got it back. And we finally have a foul with 6.6. So it looks like, barring a, a, a crazy miracle here, that um, Iowa State's going to come in very desperate, one and three overall and 0 and one in the Big 12, which is crazy to say, man. Like, one and three overall, 0 and one in the Big 12. Like, it's football, not hoops. But uh, clones could be um, very desperate coming in. So very excited to see uh, see the team on Friday, man. And um, I think uh, continue this, this good vibe and – and kind of the good, the good, uh, the good. And what do you say we give them a little revenge for the football team? Great, How's that? Sound? Great past weekend. I'm all for uh, it. Yeah, you know what? I'd love to beat them by 36. That'd be that'd be great. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, brother, hey, let me hit you with one more thing time, before man. we get. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get at you next time on the porch. Oh yeah, hey, yeah, 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 Zach. I love it, man. I, I, you you always bring something. One one other thing. Which I'm so not I, I, so much of a nugget. Great nugget just, too. I, I want to get your I, opinion on this. Let's hear it. Little college football talk. What's your What's your take on okay. Malzahn getting the axe? Okay. Florida. Oh, oh, Malzahn. You know what? Interesting, man. In 2020, um, for them to do that after the success he's had over all the years, but his seat's always been warm, right? They always think – they've always kind of thought they could do better than what he's done. Um, the question is, who do you have to go in there and take the job that's better? Matt Campbell. I think that's always huge. So do they have a big <laughs> name sitting there out there? Uh, interesting. Wow. That would be a real interesting big, fit. That's a big um, job. I don't know. I mean, is that People's a job he'd want to take? Uh, I mean, it's a big job. But you know what? Here's the thing. How good a job is Auburn in reality, right? Because you have to face off with the prospect that you are never going to be the number one dog in your own state. I mean, Alabama is that team. Mm-hmm. You're you're kind of in a division with LSU and Alabama. Mississippi and Mississippi States are no are no gimmies by any means. Texas A and M is building something special there. So I, mean, I don't know if he'd take it, but I mean, you got to be sure ugh, that they'll be they'll be barking up that's that rough. tree. Oh, absolutely. Um, they, if they're definitely they're definitely barking up that tree. If they don't, if they don't have if they don't have a struggle, I think that they will be very much. Uh, you know, I I don't know though, man. That that's, that's the thing big. though. The amount of money you that he's going to be able to get at Auburn as compared to Iowa State. That's that's huge, and I think that might be. <laughs> it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. You know, I've also heard a little bit of a little bit of a kind of a um, kind of thrown mm-hmm. out there that, you know, Liberty's uh, U Freeze is still a potential name there. So that that could be it could be intriguing. I want to hit you. Let me hit you with one thing here, Zach, before we get oh. out of here. You brought the college football talk up. Really? What do you think they really about screwed Florida? the pooch, huh? Um, yeah. I. You were able to watch more of that yeah. one than I did. I was able to see what happened at the end. How about the – what is this, Shoegate? What are we talking here? Oh, Shoegate, I don't know, man. I mean, in, intriguing. Yeah, for real, though. I mean, that it's, game had everything, man. The fog, 
the shoe gate, the 57 yard or the 54 yard that was missed. Uh, I mean, you, you, you tell me, but I mean, and, and for Florida to, to lose to the defending national champs who just a week ago, you know, had told everybody we're not going to a bowl game. Um, <laughs> we're not peppering a gumbo this year, you know, don't hold the tigers in a bowl. Um, I, I mean, yep. for them to find a way to win that, though, was incredible. I mean, Trask lost the Heisman that night. Um, I mean, it just just so many things kind of went down in that spot, and it, it it essentially cements Ohio State potentially. I'm disappointed in the committee, though, for keeping Florida at seven. I was uh, not not pleased with that in the slightest. I thought that was a little, a little bit um, – a, a little bit un, unjust there um, because – you know, yeah, they've they won some loss. games in the SEC, and yeah, they're there. But I mean, you just lost to LSU. I mean, that's a real bad loss. I mean, look at now. Granted, Iowa State was ahead of them, but Iowa State's losses at least were still one loss to Louisiana and to a into a daggone good team um, in in Oklahoma State as well. I mean, whereas Florida now has you know, yeah, A and M's a good team, but a Florida, but a but a lost to LSU. Who's Yikes. the who's the worst uh, Louisiana loss this year? Louisiana lost by that's... Iowa State or LSU lost by Florida? Okay, I'll uh, I'll definitely say the Florida loss. I think I think Flor- I think Florida losing LSU is definitely a worse loss on a resume than Louisiana at this point. I mean, those boys are what nine and one and. I think they're about to get a win over Coastal, which could vault yeah, them up be into the top we'll See if the chance can if they get them pull off another game. pull off another dandy. Oh, hey. oh man! Hey, that's that's all they do. They just find ways to win it. They find ways to win yep. it. They're, they're, they 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 kind of take the hugs mantra, man, of uh, do what we do. Hey, and the dubs and dub. they're doing what they do, just winning tight games close, man. It is. And I hope we uh hope we get a one we get that dub there, um versus Iowa State on Friday night, and then we'll we'll try and come on back here yeah, off the man. carpet and uh, 